Welcome, welcome to episode 21. The show is uh, technically legally drinking age, so I thought I would get really drunk for this episode. Um, yeah. Seemed like a good idea at a time, but um, I'm not sure. See if this will do, Willie. Who said that? Oh shit. Uh. Alright, well, edit. Fast forward to the next day, that was not a good idea. Um, I thought I'd be so funny, get wasted, and uh, bring the show to you, but instead, no. Let's just go with uh, this redo here, because the other one was like four hours of me snoring and slurping on the mic, because I totally passed out. All right, so thank you, everybody, that tuned in to the Souls to Slam, and thanks for the handful of people that contributed. I hope you're geared up and excited for next Souls to Slam, everybody. I hope we get twice the submissions, which would mean, what, three people, four people? (laughs) I guess that would mean eight people. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, thanks. Uh, It was a huge, um, well, I'm going to consider it a huge success. It was a lot of fun, and I had... I don't know. It was just really great hearing from listeners of the show. I was it was really nice to to get other people's perspective and let you hear uh, somebody that's not me blab for once. Something I did notice: there was only one girl on the show, and she was only six years old. So, lady writers, I know you're out there. I know you're listening. I've got emails before and lots of followers on uh, our social media stuff. So come on, ladies, send something in. Uh, Email the show if you want to be on. So, uh, yeah, I would like to get some more female perspective on this whole thing. Otherwise, I'm going to start making bad booby booby jokes and just start um, doing crummy movie reviews that, you know, I'm sure the guys will love. All right. So anyway... I figured after doing the Solstice Slam and, and how fun it was and what a great, uh, you know, a springtimey thing to do, um, I'd go ahead and do a little spring cleaning. So there's ideas that I throw out for the show here and there, and I've got this uh, whole notepad full of things that I'm going to be knocking off here, but it, it actually turns out that, you know, I, I want to actually bring you some informative information that is also creative and has to do with writing and, uh, you know, where the, where the industry and the sport is headed um, and, and like how that all ties together with being uh, creative and all that great shit. So make a long story short, I just keep uh, getting these like little things pile up and it happens at work. It happens at home. You know, you got a bunch of paperwork on your desk, get a bunch of knickknacks here and there. You just got a little table in your house that has shit piled up on it whether it's like you know a couple of rocks that your kid brought in from outside some old mail that you have never looked at and then i don't know who knows a couple little knickknacky things and a coupon and a gift card for something and every once in a while you got to go through that pile and sort some shit out so i thought what better time than right after the solstice slam to do some spring cleaning after all it, it is springtime first thing i'd like to say is I guess I may have jinxed. Um, I got a, a 
email from listener Chris that said that um, right after I was talking about how it was springtime and the riding season was coming back on uh, in the northeast, boom, they got snow. And then I just heard today that there was more snow um, just dumping like Mother Nature. What the fuck's happening? Uh, El Nino may be real. It just may have been offset by, uh, I don't know, like a month or two, right? I can tell you what. Here it was very uh, sunny and warm for a couple days. It was like 90 a week ago before the Solstice Slam came out. And then it turned to like 70. And then it went to like 60. And then over this uh, past weekend, which was uh, from looking at my Motorcycles and Misfits calendar here. Yeah, I got one of those. Check it out. Get one if you haven't got it already. It's really awesome. Um, It was the 9th and 10th. Uh, it freaking poured, and uh, I was down in San Diego. It's totally, totally raining there. Get back up here, and the weather's been beautiful. So I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, it's been pretty hot actually, kind of warming up here. So it's like it can't decide if it's summer or winter. And for SoCal, like you couldn't have like more polar opposite. Like it hardly ever rains here, right? Um, I think there's like a hashtag, does it rain in California or some shit like that. But anyway, so yeah, where, where in other parts of the country, I guess the same thing is happening, but I mean, at least you're used to snow and you know, you get a little sprinkling of it here and there all the way throughout May sometimes. So it should be nothing new to you, but when it started to heat up so early and now it's snowing again, I mean, I guess it's frustrating. I guess riding season isn't, uh, you know, happening yet. So at any rate, yeah, weather's been weird all across the country. So I hope if you're riding and you're out there that, you know, you're at least having some fun, even if you're uh, getting wet or getting soaked or, you know, you got to ride for a couple days while it was nice and now it's snowing again. Um, my buddy that moved to Texas got some not quite baseball size, but pretty good size, bigger than golf ball size hail through his windows last week. And, you know, got the shit rattled out of him. He's not, he's from, uh, Southern California, like literally like down by Mexico. So he, uh, I think that was new for him. So yeah, say the least, like the weather's been pretty crazy. All right. Enough, enough chatting about the weather. Let's, um, I'm just kind of going to go through my inbox and some of my notes and stuff like that. And we're going to knock some stuff off of, uh, my, my list here. And one of the first things I had was, I'm really digging Revzilla lately and Bike Bandit. They both have started these blogs. And I know Revzilla um, has the Common Tread blog, which is really cool. And Bike Bandit started a, a blog as well. And I think it's really cool to get, you know, these sites that were just product sites, they're now kind of expanding. It's really cool to see that happening. And they're bringing up some, you know, ways to mark, uh, you know, I guess some of it's marketing, but some of it's really informative, cool stories, you know, storytelling, which we all love. So one of the things I saw from Bike Bandit was their Road Trip Essentials. I will tell you the name of the article, and then I will quickly run down the list. It was called Road Trip Essentials, Things No Rider Should Leave Home Without. So I'll just blow through this list, and then I will uh, give you a little bit of my feedback on my experiences. So uh, to quote their article, it says, you already know the usual things to pack for a trip, but there are those other things that you never think until you actually need them, unquote. And so to start out on their list, they say you should not leave home on your motorcycle without a spare phone charger. 
And I'm guessing it's because a lot of people use GPS and, and all that stuff these days. And uh, there's a lot of 12 volt adapters that go onto you know, the accessory socket of a bike nowadays. A lot of bike, almost every bike comes with the charging socket nowadays. Um, even a lot of sport bikes might come with it. So uh, a spare key, a long cable for locking your helmet and jacket, baby wipes or sanitary wipes, you know, wet wipes, a gallon-sized Ziploc freezer bag, some earplugs, a microfiber rag, zip ties, Oh, good point on this one. I'll read this to you in a minute. Uh, some duct tape, some bungee cords, a tool kit, tire repair kit, a tire pressure gauge, a neck gaiter, some copies of your critical info, a flashlight, a ball cap or a beanie, some simple rain gear, uh, I'm guessing they mean like a, even as simple as like one of those ponchos that folds up to like the size of a wallet, a portable power source and a snack. All right. Well, I hope you guys had a pen and a pencil or paper. Um, you know, you could write on your pencil with your pen if you wanted to, but a, a pen and a paper or a pencil and paper would have been better because th- that was a damn good list of stuff to take. Um, instead of, you know, rambling on pointlessly about, my opinion of these things. Um, let's just, let's just concede that th- these are good and let's look in my backpack and see what I got. All right, here we got a hockey mask, a chainsaw, machete, bloodstained shirt. Oh, well now these things are easily explained away. I had a hockey game last Thursday. Um, I had the chainsaw because I was helping my uncle cut down a tree last week and the machete, I was uh, clearing a bit of bush out near a campsite where we went when I rode out last weekend. So that makes sense. Um, the bloodstained clothing, well, duh, I poked myself on a stick after chopping it clean off with my machete and I had to wrap my arm in a spare shirt that I had out there for sun protection. Yeah, I brought a long sleeve just in case. I don't like wearing sunscreen, so long sleeve shirt, just wrapped it around my wound. Um, Duct tape, roofies, zip ties, paracord, uh, unspecified length of chain. I mean, these are all, these are all explainable. Uh, Roofies. I have trouble sleeping when I camp. I mean, that's why I had that. The paracord, of course, you can tie your stuff up in a tree so a bear doesn't come and get you. Uh, The chain, I just have that because you never know when you're going to have to uh, whip a mod as you're riding by and slap them off their scooter. Of course, I'm kidding about that. I use that in conjunction with the paracord to fasten like a, you know, like a a bushman's come along in case my bike falls down a ravine. Um, What else do I have in here? Let me dig around a little bit. Oh, yeah. I won't mention that, um, but I do have a flashlight in here. Of course, I mentioned zip ties, and of course, there's duct tape. Everybody has duct tape, right? And the zip ties, that helps you to subdue um, unruly, well, um, tires. Yeah, that's it. There's actually, if you go back a couple episodes to the tire tech that I was talking about and swapping out a tire, there is like a, uh, in a pin, if you are out and you don't have your tools on you, 
in a pinch, you can use zip ties to remove your tire, throw in a new tube and put your tire back on. So it's always a good idea to carry zip ties. Uh, also the year before last, I was on a ride, the mods versus rockers ride with my friend and one of his license plates bolts completely backed out. And the other one had backed out to like half a thread. So his license plate was just flapping like a flag there at the back of his bike. And instead of passing him and taking a chance of it, like flying off, I just stayed behind him and uh, waited for it to fall off so I could slam on the brakes and grab it uh, and never did. So he finally, his motor seized and we pulled over (laughs) because of that. So then I said, Hey buddy, you thought you had problems because your motor just seized. Well, look at your license plate. So yeah, zip ties, zip ties, motherfucker. Um, Bungee cords, of course, always come in handy for holding your kit down to your bike. What else do I have in here? Oh, the flashlight thing. You know what? It could be high noon in the desert, and I can't for the life of me see my oil sight glass to see the level, how full it is. It's almost like the, uh, was it the Lord of the Rings where like there was always like a shadowy valley, like the Eye of Sauron or something was always casting a shadow on stuff. Um, That's how my oil sight level glass is. I can never, I can't see it basically. And so even in midday, like noon on Friday, I have to like get a flashlight and point it at that thing just so I can see what the level's at. Um, I have a Japanese bike, not a British bike, so it uh, doesn't leak. So I just like to check it just to make sure. On a serious note, I do want to talk about the triplicate of the important information because on my phone, I do have like copies in my jacket and in my wallet just in case like I set my jacket down and, you know, for whatever reason it gets stolen and I have to ride back and then I crash and they need to get stuff out of my wallet. Um, but also on my phone, I have like on the lock screen, even if I were to be passed out, an emergency personnel could get my phone out. They could hit this little tab and there's an app that already came on the iPhone. That's like, you can enter your health information. And I did that. And if they were to push that little medical, it's got the universal medical symbol on there. Um, they push that and boom, up comes my info, my spouse, my blood type, my age. Um, the fact that I'm overweight, the fact that I'm only three feet tall and I'm red and I'm covered in, uh, orange hair and I'm a simian and, uh, all that great stuff. So they get to see all that right there and they don't have to, question anything. So that is actually something that I think would be pretty handy. Some people put a piece of tape on their helmet with all that stuff on it. And if you listen to the Motorcycle Men podcast, they're all talking about ride, no, road ID, I think it's called. And it's basically, I think, a bracelet that contains all that stuff on it. And that way, if you ever go down, they just look at your wrist. The only bad thing about that is if you lose your hand in the accident and the the bracelet just flies off the end of your bloody stump. That could be problematic. So keep that in mind if you're going to wear a road ID bracelet. By the way, as a quick aside, I think that if I lived in Australia, my nickname would probably be Bloody Stump. I don't know why I think that, but I'm pretty sure that that's accurate. Another thing I wanted to mention that is legit is the fact that they mentioned a portable power source. And also a few episodes ago, I mentioned the little portable battery jumpers, uh, MicroStart was the brand, I believe. And those things have everything from like a USB to lots of adapters to charge your phones, your iPads, your, like your camera possibly. And when I watched the demo of them, they had jumped like this Ducati Panigale like I don't know, like 94 times. And then they jumped a V8 like five or six times. And then they came back and jumped the Ducati again and the VMAX again. And right now my bike, uh, the reason I'm not out riding right this second is because 
my battery is getting a little bit old in the tooth. It's probably about four or five years old now, and uh, it's not holding the charge so good anymore. And the other day I had to bump start it in the bank parking lot. How embarrassing was that? So if I had one of these little babies, I could have just like slapped it on right there. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Got home safe. So that's something that I'm probably going to invest in pretty soon, not just for long distance trips, but even, you know, obviously because my Batteries getting a little aged. I even rode around a little bit and it didn't charge it up. So I think it's time for a new battery. And this thing, one of these little portable power sources, would not have left me want for more power. So uh, that's something good to have that I think you can probably carry in your pocket. So that is uh, something legit that I should get in my backpack. I should probably get ready rid of this copy of Warm Leatherette by the band Normal and get one of those MicroStart or one of the other brands in there. It just a portable jump starter period would be great. All right. Next. Let's check that off my email list and move on to the next thing. Um, something else that is not totally um, not even motorcycle related, but if you wanted to know, NASA, the National Auto Sport Association, is going to be racing at Button Willow April 16th and 17th. Um, it's more of like a HPDE, which is a high performance driving event, and TT, which is time trial or time attack. And, uh, you know, I just got that in my email. I figured I'd blow that out of here and just tell you about it. Maybe you want to go see some cars race, or you want to check out Button Willow in a car to get a feel for the track layout. So when you go there on your bike, Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. And of course, don't forget that the uh, Corsa is going to be happening. Is that Button Willow? Yeah, that's going to be at Button Willow. And that's going to be the weekend after this NASA event. So um, I'm going to be out there at least one day for that. There's uh, a friend that I am, have been trying to book on the show forever. Um, we were supposed to meet up at a flat track event a while back. She didn't end up going to that because she went to a motocross <laughs> event here somewhere else. Um, I saw her at the first Hell on Wheels uh, steeplechase back in whenever that was, March or something like that. So uh, she did that. She didn't go to the one that was just this last weekend. So, I mean, I've been, it's hit or miss. Um, I'm probably just going to have to get her down on the internet somehow and connect via via the internet or a phone call or something to actually get her. Cause she's just, she's busy, but she's going to be racing out with her boyfriend out at, uh, at the course of Classica. So maybe I'm going to try and track her down before then. So that gives me what, like a week. So we'll see if I can do it. And if not, we'll get to her after that. So anyway, yeah, so that thing's coming up and I'm excited to bring hopefully a new guest for that. Let me see what else is going on here in my inbox. Um, real quickly before I get into, to like the next piece of junk mail that I have basically. Um, I did want to say, uh, I just think, and I just mentioned that the, uh, TT steeplechase happened, um, the hell on wheels event this past weekend. I did want to say, I didn't know the guy, but really good friend of, uh, hell on wheels, uh, goose passed away. And I just want to give our condolences to the guys. I did not make it out to this event and I'm kind of glad cause uh, you know, who I just seeing tragedy just sucks. You know what I mean? And, um, I was, I was down in San Diego and I, uh, totally tweaked my back and I could barely walk. So I couldn't make it to the event. And then after that happened, I was kind of glad that, you know, I didn't, that would, that always sucks. And it puts a damper on stuff when you see, you know, whenever there's a tragedy, but yeah, just 
my heart goes out to those guys and he was a really good, uh, good guy from, from what I know. And I don't know, it just sucks when you, when you lose a brother and a good friend, um, somebody that's been part of the community for quite a long time, even if you're not really good friends with them, anytime you lose a writer, um, or somebody that's, you know, just a part of what you love, it, it always sucks. It always sucks. So my heart goes out to those guys. If you, I think you can check out their Instagram, probably check out their Facebook. I think there's a GoFundMe account, uh, for him if you want to help participate and, um, help out. He's, he's survived by his son. So if you want to help out his son, um, just go check it out. All right. Back to my crappy inbox here. Um, I was kind of excited to see this and I'm not sure, uh, well, this is from March 26th and there's not, I don't see like an ending day on it or, or an end date to this, but, um, on cycle gear, there was, a Available in store and online. If you buy a suit, a, ra- a full on track suit, you get a free track day. And of course, there's an asterisk, and of course, there's limitations. But basically, Z2 track days, um, sport bike track time, and uh, let's ride track days, uh, those three organizations um, were giving. I guess if you if you buy a suit, uh, they have the Sedici Trento, the Sedici Primo. Um, you get one of those suits, you can get a free track day, and I thought that was really cool. Not not only is that a cool way to get people into a suit, you know, for for one thing, you know, competition ex- or I'm sorry, not compact cycle gear has you know they have good deals for you to get started with stuff. Sometimes it's not the best gear, you know. Sometimes it is. It just depends um, on what you're getting. But for 399 bucks, you can get a Sedici Trento leather one-piece suit, okay? And you can get on a track. So you can get your suit, get it, you know, break it in on a real track, and learn something, you know, improve your skills. So I thought that was a really cool way to get people out on the track and, you know, get some tarmac under your tires is to, you know, offer them a new suit. That's a, that's a really great partnership there, and that's a, kind of a forward way of thinking. I'd like to see when people, you know, put two great ideas together. I want people to come out to my track, and how am I going to do that? I'll get them addicted by getting a track, or, but then they need some protective gear. So, hey, I got this protective gear to sell. Hey, hey, chocolate, why don't you uh, go into my peanut butter? Mm, now I'm thinking about Reese's Pieces, but, you know, track gear, Reese's Pieces, same thing. But no, I thought that was really great. Uh, another another shout out I want to give is I'm gonna actually put this in my show notes because this is is too good to pass up. Uh, have you ever heard of DailyBikers.com? Uh, it's an awesome blog. The tagline is "Ride, wrench, write, and repeat." If you go there, uh, and I don't know if you have to click the shop tab. Yeah, I probably have to click the shop tab. You're gonna find some really hot shit. And I am going to actually put a link to the Etsy store for this stuff, too. It comes from a particular individual who is in my circles. Not a circle of friends, but uh, hopefully someday. In a circle of Google Plus circles, actually. Uh, He's somebody that I've been following around on Google Plus forever just because I like the motorbike collections that he has on there. But uh, I never really explored you know, anything more than, than the pictures. And I don't know, for whatever reason, the other day, I just was clicking around and 
digging a little bit deeper into the people that are in, in my circles, and I come across the fact that he is an extremely creative person. And I thought, holy cow, let's check, check this stuff out. And not only is this guy a superb uh, storyteller, he's got a great blog. He's also got, um, I would call him more than an avid uh, motorcyclist. He's admittedly an obsessed, maniacal motorcyclist. And not only that, he's fucking talented, like beyond belief. He's got these great, uh, let me see, he's got some cards. He's got adult coloring books. Motorcycle coloring books, not adult, um, what you're thinking, coloring books. I mean, he's got some great stuff here. These candles, there's all sorts of great stuff for uh, motorcycle enthusiasts. And they're hand-drawn by this guy. He's an incredible artist. Um, Looks like he's probably a professional illustrator by looking at this stuff. But anyway, his name is... Well, I'm not going to tell you his name because I want to get him on the show. But... Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put a link. You're going to find out his name soon enough because I'm going to put a link in the show notes and you're going to go to the store and I guarantee you're probably going to want to get one of his prints. So Dan Michael. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll say his name. It's Dan Michael. All right. All right. Yeah. Check out his stuff. It's incredible. And if you don't, if you know, if you don't need to buy a card for somebody or gift wrap or anything like that, just check out daily bikers. It's a great blog about writing. And uh, it's a unique perspective. He's from Australia. So all of our Australian listeners, we've got a few. Check him out. He might have something going on in your part of the world. So yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome creative person. So the next thing on my list here, of course, is, uh, is another thing I stumbled upon, which is the LA Motorcyclist. This is pretty cool because what it is, it's a... Uh, publication, an online publication specific to LA and bringing the LA community together a little closer. And that's kind of cool because there's so much stuff happening here. Everybody that rides motorcycles around here is some sort of artist and in the industry somehow. And when you say the industry around here, you usually mean the movie industry, but I mean, we're talking photographers, videographers. There's a lot of like makers around here, a lot of, um, super hipstery people, but you know, whatever. I'm loving it. I'm kind of loving the rejuvenation of the old trades. No matter how much I bag on being a hipster and whatnot, the only reason I'm, the only reason, let me clarify, the only reason that I'm bag on hipsters per se is because I'm not bagging on motorcyclists that make hip cool stuff. I'm bagging on the people that ride motorbikes because it's cool right now because what's going to happen is when it's not cool, they're going to go on to the next thing. All right. That's what I mean by hipster. I don't mean any of the super talented people that ride motorcycles and make stuff that hipsters consume. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's the hipsters problem. But yeah, we, there's there's just a bunch of incredible people around here that do some really amazing, awesome, cool stuff. And I feel like motorcycles is just becoming, for whatever reason, hip and cool and popular. And so there's just a lot of stuff to consume. And it's challenging living here in LA where there's, like I said, there's so much stuff going on and so many different spheres of creativity that you can be in. And so I'm kind of glad that uh, LA Motorcyclist is trying to wrap all that together in one single spot. And they're kind of trying to unify 
the creative side of motorcycling along with the lifestyle and along with events and companies and all sorts of cool stuff that's just popping up every single place you look now. So it's uh, kind of bringing the, the whole LA scene in, into one condensed publication so you don't have to like be a web jockey. So the crazy thing is that I just noticed this the other day, and this website's been around for a while. I think it's the same guy that started the L.A. Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is the guy who uh, put together this website. So it's just so weird that I, I've i just stumbled upon it, right? And the other weird thing is that uh, one of the first articles I saw was that there was a L.A. Moto giveaway. Uh, Mr. Sherman Yang won some stuff for his Triumph Thruxton. Uh, courtesy of Outpost Cycle and Modern British Designs. And I scrolled down a little bit on their page, and there he is, also a featured filmmaker. Uh, He documented his ride from Baja, California, which is in Mexico, for those of you that aren't from California. Uh, Baja, California is the peninsula of um, um, Mexico on the um, Pacific side. So, yeah, he he flew down to... Cabo or something like that, and then rode his motorcycle all the way back to L.A. and documented that in a film. And oddly enough, I swear I saw that guy eating at a restaurant right on the street the other day, and there was only two Triumphs out there. There was a Thruxton and like a what looked like a T100 Black or something like that. So it was just kind of crazy having seen him a few weeks ago, you know, right down the street, and then reading this uh, article on LA Motorcyclist and realizing, hey, that's probably the guy I saw. (laughs) So there's not that many Triumphs cruising around this part of town. So we can chuck that one out of the inbox. Uh, Here's something else in the inbox was Motorcyclist Magazine. Suspension tech on how to set motorcycle sag. That probably would have come in handy uh, a couple weeks ago when I was doing all the suspension stuff for um, adjusting your suspension and all that stuff and make sure it's all aligned and whatnot. And also a dirt rider, a little email popped up on a quick tip, how to use motion pros fork true tool. So they had something for dirt bikers and there's actually a little tool that motion pro makes to check the alignment of your fork to make sure if you remember back a couple episodes, I, I said that you could bind a, you could bind one fork by having it um, pushed in on the axle too far. Um, that's the type of axles that clamps or, or I'm sorry, the type of forks that clamps around the axle rather than running through like, you know, a lot of my old vintage crap, you don't have clamping axles. You just have an axle shaft with a bolt or that's basically a bolt with a nut on the end. So this is talking about the kind that actually claps, clamps to an axle shaft. You can, you can bind those. So this motion pearl tool helps make sure that they are parallel all the way down. Um, and then that rider sag Let's uh, delete that and delete that. We don't need those anymore. And I'm actually... um, The dark art of suspension tuning is something that I really want to get into in depth. And I want to have a pro come on and talk to uh, to us about that. um, Because speaking of being creative, um, I just watched a production from Keith Code today talking about suspension and cornering and stuff like that. Uh, plus there is a lot of design and a lot of talent and know-how that goes into setting up a proper sort of suspension, you know, to get everything right. And it's pretty important. I mean, it's what literally holds your bike down to the road. And when you go over stuff helps keep your bike planted. So in cornering and 
makes a huge difference in writer sag's importance. So um, I'll probably try to get that person on within a few weeks here. So check that one off of the inbox list. A couple other things from my inbox here. Uh, how many motorcycles is too much? Mm. I think if we listen to the Solstice Slam, Paul can tell us that nine or ten motorcycles is probably not enough. For me, two motorcycles does it, especially nowadays when you can get a motorcycle for everything. You know, if you're going to go off-road, you need your dirt bike. If you're going to go to the track, you need your sport bike. If you're going to do long-distance touring, you need something pretty capable, uh, at least a KLR 650, um, all the way up to like the BMW R1200GS or now the Ducati and KTMs that are coming on board with that. I am not going to read that because, uh, I think that's subjective to your budget. So let's get rid of that. Um, does your motorcycle roar like a rampaging lion? Let's uh, investigate this one a little bit. So if you check out pillioness.com, there is a practical tip on how to turn a motorcycle exhaust from a roar to a purr. Wait a minute, don't most of us want to go the other way? Don't we want our motorcycles to roar like beasts? Um, Not if you live in a quiet neighborhood and you have neighbors that will complain, or you're that guy that has like sleeping babies every single time. A very loud motorcycle went down my street. I used to get pretty pissed when my kids were babies because, as you know, as a new parent, you get very little sleep if your young one gets very little sleep. And there's really no reason uh, for uh, extremely loud, annoying, shitty exhaust notes. (coughs) Marley Davidson... (coughs) Excuse me. So anyway, yeah, you know what? It's just, it's all a matter of opinion. I think bike sound is just about as subjective as bike color. You know what I mean? Some people like braps and huge loud roars and some people kind of like to be the little ninjas. I will say one thing, uh, no matter what people say, loud exhausts don't make you faster and getting that sweet uh, Yoshimura on your Suzuki isn't going to make you do, you know, Mach 7. If you listen to any cop bike, uh, cops haul ass. Cop bikes are tuned to be quick and responsive. And I'll tell you what, they don't have like a super loud exhaust on them. And I've read some things recently, especially now getting more interested in this EPA issue here in the States for everybody that's not from here. There's like this huge thing where um, Environmental Protection Agency is really cracking down on aftermarket exhaust and stuff like that. So anyway, as an aside, there's a lot of pro road racers and tuners that run their stock exhausts on their race bikes that they are like not just their track day bikes but their actual race bikes so loud doesn't always mean faster and if you change your exhaust you got to change your fuel mapping which is if you have a carburetor changing your jetting and if you change if you have fuel injection you know fucking with your ecu so sometimes just leaving stock is just fine especially if your bike's putting out the power and you got the skills to pay the bills you don't need no uh 75,000 decibel exhaust to go any faster. So take that noise. Somebody on here emailing me that they're really pleased to work with Indian. You know what? That is great. I'm not a particularly huge cruiser fan. I do think the Indian Scout looks pretty cool. And I do like the fact that uh, they're getting their motors approved for uh, racing in the AMA flat track series. 
And also recently, I was just reading how Corey Texter built his flat tracker out of a Vulcan S motor, which is like 650, I want to say, or 700. So yeah, a lot of uh, new new cruiser models coming in, powering flat trackers recently. Let's check that one off the inbox list. Well, Built Well has their new 2016 Gringo S helmets and shields for sale. Check those out if you're a Built Well Gringo fan. Something else crowding up my inbox is an invitation from Cycle World to join them at the Quail Motorcycle Gathering. That is a super prestigious motorcycle show, basically. It's like a Concorde d'Elegance. It's taking place on Saturday, May 14th, starting from 10 to 4 at the Quail Lodge and Golf Club in Carmel, California. Not only is that location beautiful, but the bikes that show up there truly are one of a kind. A lot of them you will see at the Solvang Vintage Motorcycle Museum, which I got a chance to visit last year and took some pics. Go check out our website about it to check out the pictures there. I think I put a whole gallery up there. Uh, Yeah, this has some of the most unique motorcycles in the world come out, and builders like Shinya Kimura have been there in the past. Um, Like I said, a lot of weird, crazy vintage stuff, like the guy from the... uh, the Solvang Museum has, and then just some really, really, really priceless vintage stuff that is in its absolute pristine, and I don't mean restored, but pristine as in, you know, unrestored original vintage from the turn of the century. So, you know, if you do ever get a chance, just it's one of those things, it's like a bucket list thing to check off if you get a chance. Also in my inbox here is a bunch of crap that I won't bore you with, but it's Isla Man related, and they're just going apeshit now that the uh, Isla Man is just, uh, I think it's less than two months away. Yeah, it's like less than 50 days away, I believe. It's coming up here pretty fast. So that's going to be super interesting. A whole bunch of crap about, you know, race numbers and people that were racing and whatnot. And I believe I mentioned before that uh, if John McGinnis can lose, I think it's about 10 or 15 pounds honda is going to give him a mugen shinden he's going to be racing it again this year trying to crack the 120 mile an hour mark it's really important to me to mention this because it kind of ties in with the pike's peak this year don Kinney, who rode the victory project 156 bike last year is going to be riding the victory pike's peak electric prototype this year as you all know i was super pumped i'm uh, always pumped for pike's peak this year is the 100th anniversary Um, And not only that, but I I just love kind of where electrics are going right now. I'm going to talk about that in the future. That's on my notepad, too. We won't check that off tonight. We'll eventually get to that. But, yeah, you know, it's it's cool that he's going to be going up the hill on their electric bike. It's been outfitted with a one-piece handlebar. If you remember a few episodes, I said... Uh, that they're outlawing sport bikes or anything with clip-ons um, just because that type of bike tends, I don't know, for whatever reason, for they're, they're considering it for safety reasons. So it's been outfitted with a one-piece handlebar, and it looks totally fucking spectacular. Cannot wait to see that thing run, and I hope it runs at the Isle of Man. Um, it kind of sounds like Pike's Peak is going to be the maiden run for it, so I don't think they're going to have it over at, at Isle of Man. But... Um, it's basically a repurposed uh, Bramo, the Isle of Man race bike that, that ran over there. So uh, I guess we won't see it run at the Isle of Man, but we'll see it run run here up 
the uh, race to the clouds. I already talked about the bike bandit uh, road trip essential, so I'm going to go ahead and delete that. Uh, the do LA Iron Maiden's going to be on tour in LA. I'm going to delete that. Um, this came in on April 8th, 50 days to go until the TT. So there's quite a few less now, less than 50 days to go to the TT. Get rid of that. The next video in the inbox is from Bike Bandit, and it's on why we can't have nice things. And basically, it's a detail of how riding like a hooligan is basically detrimental to all of us that want to go out and have a good time. Part of it is because, you know, I'm assuming that any cop that sees a supermoto is going to assume that they're just going to like totally go to the uh, local shopping mall and hoon around on any in the parking structure on the stairs over the uh, fountain out front, you know, any because that's what you see them doing online all the time. And cops are using YouTube videos now to bust people, and that's not cool. And I don't know, there's just this huge stigma. There was a police officer, I believe in San Francisco, that was leading a supermoto like hooligan group, and he got fired. I recently saw something about a guy in Australia that didn't even have his motorcycle license, but he was (laughs) like a total wheelie king and uh, doing all sorts of stunts out on the street, no motorcycle license, and he was on a suspended car license. So, I mean, you know, they just, they use your recordings. People go out and, and film all this stuff to make these awesome videos and what they're basically catching on tape is reckless driving. Now, if you go somewhere that's closed or you're on a construction site on the weekend or something, you might get a, a trespassing ticket, which I'm, you know, I'm sure is not cheap either, but it's a lot better than like getting reckless endangerment, dangerous driving, speeding, you know, traffic violation, this and that, and getting your uh, license taken away. As far as I know, trespassing is uh, not a vehicle offense. It's like a civil offense in most countries and you know most states here in the U.S. Even if you're on your vehicle, so it, or you know it doesn't. Basically, I guess what I'm saying is that you're not going to get like a reckless driving or endangerment or anything like that for trespassing and uh, kind of being a hooligan and hooning around. So uh, you know, I don't know. A lot of a lot of the people that I like that make rad videos, so to speak, do it in the alleyways behind their work, on their work property, at an old abandoned property somewhere, uh, out in the hills, you know what I mean? Just drive out of town a little ways, and if you find a trail, go do something fun on that. If you see an old warehouse that you know has been closed down forever, or an old uh, parking lot somewhere that nobody uses, go for that, you know? Like, go do something fun there. You don't necessarily have to go um, that's in the streets and like pop wheelies down the freeway and, and all that shit like that. I don't know. There was one squid bro I saw when I was looking up dank hoolies on online. He, he had to be in, in San Diego because, uh, I, there was just too many eucalyptus trees and I five signs popping up and it kind of looked like Oceanside or Encinitas or something like that. So I'm sure he really was a squid meaning like he was like in the Navy or the Marine Corps cause the Marine Corps base is right there and there's like Naval shit up there too. So I'm sure he probably was a squid being a squid. And it's just funny, like watching all these shitty videos of him riding around and stuff. And I don't know, it's, it's just, everybody's like a freaking moto vlogger nowadays and that's getting fucked out. And then everybody's doing like wheelies through town and, I don't know. I just, I hate riding and having people like double 
take me because they're waiting for me to do something stupid. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it. And, and then especially if you ride like a sport bike or a supermoto, then you're like automatically people are staring at you. You know what I mean? You, you don't ride through town on a certain style of bike that is infamous for doing these certain sort of things on YouTube or on the news and all that stuff without, you know, having that stigma attached to you. So <clears throat> I'm sure it's the same sort of thing that doctors and lawyers that ride Harleys, they probably, people think that they're some badass Mongol or hell's angel or something like that until they get off at the Starbucks and go in. And so same thing with supermotos and, and sport bikes and stuff, you know, it's, it's really stupid. So, um, but I am not against like being a hooligan and having fun and doing fun stuff. But if you're going to do it, just don't, don't do it where you're going to end up on the news <laughs> and get everybody in trouble. It's like the kid that, I don't know, the kid that gets everybody busted for, you know, Hey, look what I'm doing over here with all these other guys that have been doing it forever. And now, you know, now we, none of us can do it cause I was stupid. So don't be that guy or girl. Don't be that girl or guy. So I'm going to cross that off of my inbox here. I'm glad you guys are hanging with me while I'm going through my inbox and uh, checking off this and that. You know what I'm saying? If you guys have something interesting that's come along your way in your inbox or some news or anything like that, go ahead and send it to uh, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com and we'll check it out. Heck, I'll even... uh, call you up and we'll go over it together if you want me to. Maybe you can't read and you want, well, no, you could read because if you could type in the email address, yeah, you could read. So some other things that I can't show you, but that I have on my checklist, uh, is motorcycle industry council news. I've got the stats up and it's pretty amazing. After doing the hurt report and all that stuff, I figured it might be kind of nice to focus on the positives about the industry and where some of these things come from. Like you might have heard like the big news uh, around November was the fact that women ridership is up by X amount. Where do they get those numbers from and where do they get numbers for rider statistics and bike sales and how do they know? Well, the Motorcycle Industry Council tracks all that stuff. And uh, I was looking at their stat, you know, I was, like I said, I was looking at the uh, publication that they put out and uh, I probably will review some of that stuff pretty soon. Um, one of the reasons, if you listen to episode 19, it was the Industrial Revolution. I'm sorry that was more of a snooze fest than I meant it to be. I totally meant it to uh, kind of talk about how you know we came from blacksmithing to being able to run a motorcycle off a bunch of little electrical components. You know what I mean? I I I, I should have related it more to motorcycles. And not so much to just like the general processes of manufacturing, but I am sorry I missed out on that. But the reason I wanted to talk about that was to set like the groundwork for uh, something I had seen on TotalMotorcycle.com, which was like the future of motorcycling. Uh, It's funny because I think it was written in 2004. Uh, maybe 2005 and holy shit, the market, the bottom just fell out of everything in 2007. So it was funny looking at all these futuristic models that we thought would happen and come out. And then all of a sudden, like everything falls flat. So I just thought it was neat to go back in time and look at where we thought we'd be and kind of look back to the far past and see like where we thought we'd be by we'd 
be by then and how far we've actually come um, as a society, but as motorcyclists too. So yeah, I will probably cover that in the future. Uh, what we thought would happen, you know, it's funny to look at cartoons from like the seventies and even early eighties, I guess. Um, thinking of like the Jetsons and stuff like that. And then where we actually are now and where even looking at popular sciences from 1950, uh, around 55, I believe I've seen some pretty interesting stuff in there that still has never happened yet. I mean, we are over half a century later and this stuff has not become reality. Instead, we got these little... Uh, flat phones that we carry around. We don't have these cool flying cars. We don't have houses that you just spray down. And we don't have land speeders yet. I mean, like uh, in Star Wars, you know what I mean? The speeder bikes. So, yeah, I will cover the future and the past of motorcycling at some point, too. Got a lot of helmet studies and stuff. I really kind of wanted to flesh that out because uh, I went back and listened to a couple episodes where I covered the Vices helmet and the Bell helmet that had a, you know, they the, the whole Kurt Caselli Foundation episode. So uh, I wanted to kind of talk about that and some studies that came out that people use old unsafe helmets. I, I want to get somebody who's a professional um, in the helmet industry, a very creative uh, person, and I believe a designer of helmets uh, to come on and talk about what really is old and unsafe. Um, something else that came across my inbox was a grassroots motorsports article on fuels and the truth about fuel. And the funny thing is, is that I have been listening. This this was a kind of a hotbed issue in the past few months um, on a lot of motorcycle podcasts regarding ethanol and all that stuff in the fuel and what you got to do to, you know, let your fuel and water separate because uh, it's hydroscopic, which means it, it attracts water, ethanol, you know. So the fact that it's mixed in your fuel means it's going to attract water from the atmosphere. But um, I did, after reading this article, they took a, a Miata that was a C Street prepared, which if you know uh, anything about autocrossing or anything like that, C Street Prepared is a mild tune. It's not like a radical uh, or forced induction or anything like that. So what they did is they they did this experiment where they tuned their Miata and basically after each... um, Okay, they used several different types of fuels. Let me tell you what they used. They used 87 octane street gas. Um, They used 93 octane with zero uh, alcohol in it. They used Hyperfuels E85. They used Shell URT100 octane race gas. They used URT105 uh, octane race gas. They used uh, VPM1 racing methanol. And then as a basically for their baseline fuel, um, they used 93 with 10% ethanol um, from a place called Quick Trip, which must be like a East Coast thing. Um, the other fuel they used was an 87 with E10 uh, from the same Quick Trip. So uh, all these fuels they used, so they used 93 octane, and over here on the West Coast or the Left Coast, uh, I haven't seen much 93. We see we have 87, 89, and 91. So I guess uh, on the East Coast, maybe you have a 93 option. So... Anyway, it was really interesting to see what they 
I, I guess the gains they got, they, they tested this out and they talk about, uh, the process and the fuel injection and all that stuff that they used. So it's, it's very scientific. Um, they cleaned and totally flushed the fuel system between fuels so that you didn't have any residuals left over. And so that you got like an actual, uh, rear wheel, rear wheel horsepower number. Uh, they threw it on a dyno and tested all the variables. You know what I mean? Um, they tested it around 6,800 RPM, um, they tested the torque at 4,900 RPM, except for on the methanol. They tested that at uh, 5,000 RPM. And so basically the results, you can, you can read each breakdown and why they think what happened happened. But the results were on the 93 octane with 10% ethanol. That was their baseline fuel because that's what they run. They just run pump gas. Like I said, they don't have domed pistons. They don't have high compression. And I realize motorcycles always run a little bit higher compression than cars do. So I think you could probably skew these a little bit. But running their uh, standard fuel, 93 octane, um, 10% ethanol, that was their baseline fuel. They were getting 136 rear-wheel horsepower at uh, 6,700 RPM. They were putting out 124 foot-pounds of torque. And, you know, this is their baseline. So this is like just squirting fuel, uh, zero-degree timing, or, you know, the timing is zeroed on whatever they had it at. Um, the next fuel they ran was the 93 with 0% ethanol in it. And it made 134 horsepower at 6,800 RPM and 122 foot pounds of torque. So it's actually 2% and they actually ran uh, 2% less fuel um, through the squirters. They didn't need uh, as high of fuel pressure for whatever reason. And the timing remained at zero. So they dropped a couple horsepowers and they lost a couple foot pounds of torque. Um, and the car, uh, did not pull timing. I guess they were measuring that whether the ECU pulled or advanced the timing to make up, you know, the knock sensors and all that stuff. You know, they did it. It was a really good job they did. So the next thing is the 87 octane with 10% ethanol actually was 135 horsepower with 117 foot-pounds of torque and also 2% less uh, fuel um, compared to the the uh, 93 with the, you know, the E10 base gas. So basically they lost a horsepower and they lost seven pounds of torque um, for whatever reason. On the 100% oxygenated gas, which is the Hyperfuels 100, um, they got 137 horsepower with 123 foot pounds of torque. Um, so basically, and that was at 2% less, uh, fuel and the car pulled the timing, uh, it advanced it by one degree and they got one horsepower extra, but one, uh, foot pound less of torque. The 105 octane, they got 137 horses, uh, with 124 foot pounds of torque, um, had, they had advanced the timing three degrees. They were able to use uh, 4% less fuel just because the oxygenation is a little bit higher in the fuel. You know what I mean? There's, there's more oxygen, I think, in the higher octane fuels or the burn, you know, whatever the burn uh, rate is like a lot more stable and a little bit lower. So I, I guess it's just a, 
what for whatever reason they needed less fuel but basically they got less uh, they got one more horsepower than just running pump gas and uh, they got the same amount of torque. So not a big difference from running pump gas with 10% ethanol, just 93, and running this 105 octane race fuel. Now, the crazy thing is when they were running E85, you know, which is obviously 85% uh, ethanol or alcohol, they got 143 horsepower. And that's at 6,800 RPM. So they did all of this at the same RPM, right? So they're not, they weren't doing anything special here. Um, they got 128 foot pounds of torque also at 4,900 RPM. You know, that was their base level RPM. They had to pump, uh, almost 63% more fuel though. Uh, because you know, for the, and, and the motor, the, they had to advance the timing two degrees. Um, but it gave it a seven, a seven horsepower, um, extra boost and a four foot pound, you know, foot pounds of torque extra. So running E85, just because of all the, uh, I guess the flashpoint being what it is or whatever, and being able to advance the timing, um, pumping more fuel in because it's, you know, for whatever reason, there's less, uh, hydrogen or no, there's less carbon and more oxygen or something like that. I forget exactly, um, the stoichiometric values that they, that they mentioned, but it's in there. It's in their study. They have it written out. Um, and of course the methanol, <laughs> uh, now this blew it out of the water cause the E85 gave them seven more horsepower than the base, you know, 93 with 10% ethanol. So the, the M1 methanol, uh, 160 horsepower, <laughs> Uh, at the same RPM, 140 foot-pounds of torque, set the same RPM. They were squirting almost double the fuel, though, uh, 92% of, of the fuel compared to the E93-octane uh, pump pump gas. Um, it pulled the timing a little bit, so they were negative 2 degrees timing, uh, but that's a 24-horsepower differential and a 16-foot-pound torque uh, differential running on methanol. But the thing with methanol is you can't use it on a daily driver, uh, especially if it's going to sit, you know what I mean? Like you got to run that stuff out of the tank and then flush the tank because it eats seals. It likes to chew up all sorts of rubber and, 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 um, aluminum. So yeah, that's not for, for daily drivers and most race classes won't let you use methanol. They, you know, will let you use, uh, Avgas or this super high octane stuff. So what they found was if you don't have like a forced induction, you know, if you're not running turbo, you're not running uh, high compression pistons or domed pistons, you know what I mean? Like if you're not, there's nothing special. You just got like a light tune on your car, which like C Street Prepared is totally, you know, the Miata fits right in there with just a little bit of a light tune. The, the, the pump gas with 10% ethanol is basically, unless you want to run E85, like it's basically no change across the board. Uh, once they ran E85 is where they saw the, the difference at. So it just kind of made me think about motorcycles. And, and I know a lot of people want to run like, yeah, yeah, I want to run like some race gas on my bike and this and that. And your fuel, you know, your ECU is going to compensate for it. Um, your carburetor's not, you're going to have to rejet your carb probably uh, to run that just because the molecules are actually like different sizes, I believe. And, uh, yeah, you, you have to change a lot of things to actually gain 
sub-efficiencies from, from these fuels and, and actually squeeze the potential out of them. Otherwise you're just throwing, you know, that stuff is expensive. It's like 10 bucks a gallon. So yeah, you're just like, uh, throwing your money away basically. And it's not going to provide you with anything other than a sweet, sweet smell out the tailpipe. And I do have to say that I love the smell of race gas, but if you're not tuned for it, it's probably not doing a whole hell of a lot. So, you know, and the other thing, like I said before, that was with cars, not with bikes. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I'd like to see somebody do that with bikes, somebody much more intelligent than myself that knows, um, what they're doing and has different, you know, all the equipment to run that on. That'd be kind of, kind of neat to see somebody try to run just a stock setting with, uh, all these different types of fuels to see if there is a benefit, even if it was better miles per gallon, it might be worth, you know, bumping up or bumping down some octanes to, uh, put it in your tank. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Something else that I stumbled across was this pretty cool blog called The Good Spark Garage, and their ride up to the Tulip Trestle, if you get a chance to check that out, it's just an amazing motorcycle ride documented with some vibrant pictures and through just like take you back in time almost. Um, Again, check out dailybikers.com. You won't be disappointed by that blog. And I think as far as the show goes, I've covered all my little notes and finally cleaned out my inbox. I feel like after the solstice slam, I needed to get rid of all this stuff. Don't keep, don't hold it. Let's just maybe talk about it and I'll move on to the stuff that I really want to cover like I said, this is a good time for spring cleaning because this year I want to cover some stuff with some more listeners and I've got a, a few things planned. I, you know, there's lots more people that I have on a list to interview that are creative writers and uh, some pretty amazing people and just I don't know, just one of those things that like makes this whole pie so fun to eat. So, alrighty. Well, it's going on an hour. I'm not going to do these shows that last for like an hour and 45 minutes anymore because you are already falling asleep probably around like the 35 minute mark. No reason to keep you up any later. So thank you for kind of going through a blah show with me, just cleaning out the cobwebs. Now we can move on to the fun shit. Let's make next episode just like rock and roll. What do you say? All right. Talk to you next time. All right. Creative writing would like to say a deep and sincere apology to the following individuals and organizations. Dan Michael. First and foremost, Dan Michael and his uh, Daily Writers blog, Daily Bikers blog, I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Singsheim and Springtime and Mother Nature and El Nino. We'd like to say we're sorry to Revzilla. Bike Bandit Cycle Gear Competition Accessories, Z2 Track Days, sorry to Sport Time Track, Sport Time Track, uh oh, I, I wrote some very terrible, I can't even read my own writing, Sport Time Track Times, <laughs> and Let's Ride Track Days. Uh, we're sorry to Sadichi Suits, all the ones that we mentioned on the show. Uh, we're sorry to Chocolate, sorry to Peanut Butter, sorry to Reese's Pieces, again, sorry to DailyBikers.com, and we are sorry to the Good Spark Garage and Grassroots Motorsports. We'll include links to Dan's stuff and to the other stories we mentioned. Everything else, shake it on, forget it, bambo. I hope you stay tuned to Creative Writing for future episodes on DIY stuff such as fiberglassing, some seat modifications, 
maintenance, and some other interviews with some really interesting and creative people. Leave us an iTunes review or a Google review. Uh, You can also check us out at creative-writing.com, creative-writing.tumblr.com. You can check us out at creative underscore writer on Twitter and Periscope. Uh, Check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash creative writing podcast. Drop us an email at creative writing podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Check us out on Google plus we don't have Instagram yet, but if you also want to post some cool pictures or ride videos or even post a a pic of your whip up on Facebook, go ahead, do it. We will uh, take anything take what we can get all right keep your uh, boots above the roots thanks paul we out um i was kind of excited to see this and i'm not sure uh, how many different spheres of creativity that you can be in and so i'm kind of glad well this is from march 26th and there's not i don't see like an ending day on it or, or an end date to this his license plate was falling falling off i thought i was gonna i was riding behind him but um, on cycle gear, there was ear protection. It's those low frequency vibrations that can do it to you. You know that really like screw up your ears. See if um, you can soak them when it gets hot and wear it. And when you're riding, uh, that's what gets me. Is the you know what I mean? So you can use it to cool down or to stay warm. And my medical info, there's actually I have an iPhone. You don't need the passcode to slipped on a banana peel and hit my head on a curb, or was choking on a muffin or something downtown. <laughs> Muffins. I love the muffins. Uh, 